Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the premiere House of the Dragon recap and review podcast. Dragons. Dragons. Dragons! I am, of course, your host, John, and with me today, from the red wastes of Texas, Patrick Ramirez. Whoa! Hello, podcast listeners. So glad you could make it, Patrick. <laughs> And also joining me is Annie Bamboo. John thinks it's funny that I don't want to use my real name on the internet. Hey, everybody. Uh, I just respect it. That's all. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And last but not least, we are joined by the great and powerful Jesse Wind. Hey, 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 hey. Man, I I hope I can grow up one day and be as big and strong as Big Boy Son. He's such a good dad. By the light of the seven, Jesse, we are blessed by your presence. By the light of the seven, Jesse's. Uh, Patrick, tell me your initial thoughts on this episode. Whew. You know, there was a lot of adjusting to get used to on this episode with all the new character actors and new names and kids that I got fucking confused immediately after seeing them. Um, so I would say this just had a lot to digest all uh, overall for me. But a uh, good episode. Totally fair. Uh, Annie, you're up next. Tell us what you thought about this installment of House of the Dragon. Three things. First thing, exactly enough dragons. Very happy with the amount of dragons in this episode. Second thing, too many kids. Everybody has just been popping out babies like their t-shirt cannons for the last ten years, and I'm not about it. Third thing, I don't even give a shit who sits on the Iron Throne anymore. I just, I don't even care if Allison wins it, if Rhaenyra wins it. I don't even care if Damon wins it. I just want Laris to lose. But I'm sure we're going to get into that. All right. Jesse, I'm dying to know your thoughts on episode six, The Princess and the Queen. If by the end of this series, we don't see the purple bearded giant in woman's frocks, uh, this will all be for naught. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I thought this was a good-ass episode of television, you know? I'd love to see those dragon keepers. They're fucking cool. Um, got to see some really interesting political and uh, interpersonal dynamics developing, which is neat to see. And uh, yeah, the rest of it we can get into in the rest of the episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Now, we gotta start off with this birthing scene that opens the episode, right? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. They are not pulling punches with how much childbirth blows. Yeah. Yeah, they really impress upon you how badass it is that Rhaenyra does what she does. Um, Did you guys pick up on how long the shot was? Was it um, uncut? Uh, yeah, or at least if it was cut, they hit it very well. Sneaky editing. Totes. Yeah, it lasts until she gets up, right? Uh, I think until she, like, walks up the stairs. Dude. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's like some Birdman-level editing. Yeah, yeah. no, that's <laughs> that would add to my intense, intense feeling of discomfort during that. Because that's a thing, that's a tool that is used to, like, make people feel weird. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I w- was just about to say it's probably one of the most 
pained feelings I've ever felt watching this show is making a mother who just gave birth get up and walk up like three flights of stairs and across a castle. Um, and the, that filming technique probably added to the dread and discomfort I was feeling. I really want to watch that again. Yeah. And I think the other thing that added to it also is um, I, I don't know if this was like 100% accurate. Probably not. But definitely my fiance, my fiance and I both appreciated how humble brag, how much more accurate this birthing scene was than most birthing scenes in pretty much every other piece of media. With the exception of maybe called the midwife, yeah. <laughs> uh, the what about the midwife? You don't know the show called the midwife on? Uh, yeah, called the it's midwife. Like it's BBC great. or PBS? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Now, but I do know she called the midwife a cunt. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a funny little uh, exchange. Um, <laughs> pretty big dick move by Allison to summon the baby to her room or whatever right after it's come out right like that was uh, yeah why do you guys uh think she did that i thought just power play by allison because she's so salty still from 10 years ago apparently (laughs) still mad so i was thinking that maybe she was she wanted to check on the appearance of the baby because I think she wanted to make sure that it was another bastard and that it wasn't a trueborn son so that she still theoretically has a stronger claim through her children. Yeah, that I makes kind sense. of got that vibe as well, but I do think there was a power play element to it. There was absolutely no way that Rhaenyra was going to let Allison see her newborn child alone. I think mm-hmm. Allison knew that Rhaenyra was probably going to get up and walk or at least try. I don't think she was expecting Rhaenyra to make it all the way there. Yeah, no, and I, I, I agree. It definitely was a power move to some extent. I also, I really loved the little exchange between them where Allison's basically like, oh my god, you should be laying down. And Rhaenyra is like, yeah, I have no doubt that you'd prefer that. Meaning, yeah, I bet you were hoping that I wasn't going to come and you were going to have alone time with my baby. But uh, not today, motherfucker. I'm here. So that was a pretty cool little interaction. What a mom. (laughs) Yeah, walked up the whole stairs. Didn't she like start walking and then the afterbirth came out? Yeah, it was it was fucking intense. Yeah. Very intense. Uh, what did you guys think of Lanor and Ray Ray's relationship that they've developed over the past 10 years? I think it's turned out pretty much exactly how getting married to your gay best friend would turn out. They definitely have some, like they're at odds at some points and they're snarky with each other, but it does still seem like they do care about each other. They've had ups and downs, but I did get the impression both in the initial scene and then through many of the scenes that followed it, that there is still a friendship and an understanding there. There's just also a lot of sass. Yeah, I also got the sense that there's some mutual respect. I don't think there's necessarily symmetrical or equal respect, but there seems to be at least some respect going both directions, which was nice to see. Yeah, I I think that's pretty consistent through the show. Um, we'll talk about that more later, but I glad they're still respectful friends. I'm not sure if they were ever friends. 
They're cousins. I guess they were friends, didn't they? They alluded to them hanging out when they, they were, were younger. Just together, relatives, yeah. 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 But it just I hate most of my relatives. Good thing you're not married to them, Jesse. I was just gonna say I am from Virginia, so that wasn't off the table, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you escaped almost so far west. You made it to Colorado. Oh yeah, I, I left there for that was one of the top three reasons. We can edit this out <laughs> later if that's too much information. Oh no, it's not. Come at me, bro. Okay. So um I was gonna say that it also after the child is born and you know, they go back to their little or I guess they're already in the master suite or whatever, and Lenor's there and he just kind of like it's really nice of the kids, but also you just see the stark difference in their appearances and that he knows that when she hands the baby to Harwin, Commander Harwin, I guess at this point, it just seems like he's aware, but does acknowledge that like, oh, this is not my kid, but I'm going to pretend that it is for for everyone else, including myself and Rhaenyra. And Viserys, right? Cause he, and Viserys, yeah. He's very determined to not acknowledge what is very clear to everybody else. I also, my heart broke a little bit seeing how happy Viserys was, like... You can tell that he he knows the political badness of what's happening, but he's still like, this is my grandkid. And I'm so happy that they're like healthy and strong. And like, it, I don't know. It's just he's so stupid and bad. But I just he has he's a little cinnamon roll. He, his heart is in the right place. I never thought I would say that about him after the first episode. But see, I've, I've often felt that way about Viserys, but I do want to ask, are we sure that his heart is in the right place? Because he's clearly lost a lot of bits in the intervening <laughs> 10 years. So you're saying his heart might literally be in the wrong place? Yeah. <laughs> that was the joke, yes. Yeah, potentially. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I fell for it at the start of the episode. Um, it, it took me until the, probably the second overt recognition of those uh being uh big boy son's kids uh, at the very beginning when he holds the baby i was like it's so cute that their guard wants to love the baby he <laughs> loves the family so much that he is so excited for this baby oh jesse you sweet summer child <laughs> I was thinking in this scene, like, could he be any more obvious? <laughs> like, it was come on, man. extremely obvious. And, you know, <laughs> sometimes that's what a family is. It's you, your gay husband, the captain of your guard, and a succession of adorable twinks, and your spawning wow. brood of bastards. And that's a family, <laughs> too. That is almost exactly the definition of my family. Uh, but we could come back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So speaking of a brood of bastards, do you guys want to talk about all of the little princelings and Princess Helena? I hope you wrote all yeah. the names down, John, because I could not keep them straight. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So we have Alicent and Viserys' kids, um, Aemon or Aegon, Helena, and Aemond. And then we have uh, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra's kids, uh, Jaceris, and Lucerus. And now Joffrey, who's the baby. So the four oldest boys are in the dragon pit, and little Jace is working with his dragon, Vermax, who 
is the number one good boy, and he had a little sneeze, which was so cute. Did you guys notice that? I, I'm going to think about that dragon sneeze for a while. <laughs> so cute when he was walking up the ramp, and he just kind of like he sneezed like a dog. Where he kinda, like, <laughs> a so good. Yeah. Oh man, did he shake his head? Yeah. I gotta fucking look this up now. Yeah, he did. He kind of like shook his head to the side as he did. It was very good. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, so little Jace is doing his thing with the dragon, and he does a pretty good job. And afterwards, him and his cousins, or yeah, his cousins. Wait, no, they would be his uncles. Is that how that works? Oh, you're right. His they're his uncles and yeah. his cousins, right? No, they're just uncles. Uh, I don't know. I got to think about this. This is kind of confusing. Oh wait, no, they're step brothers. No. Oh wait, no, to the other kids. Yeah, I guess they're uncle. They're step uncles. If if you believe that Cor- that uh Lenor is their father, then they are also cousins. <laughs> I think. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're it doesn't, they're, but I like their relations. <laughs> you know, yes. I, they are k- relations. Kin- <laughs> <laughs> you know, kinfolk. But yeah, so the, the other three boys pull a mean little prank on Amond, who kind of seems like the black sheep of the of the four. Uh, they give him a little pig, guys, and this was so mean. I did not like this. He did not deserve the pink dread. That was real mean. That was pretty funny, uh, though. I think the... Yeah. Patrick! Okay. Just hey, I mean, it's going like I see it. Pretty funny. <laughs> Come on, especially when they talk about him flying. Oh my god! M- M- so I, the pig was very cute. Uh, that boy and his face. What did he? Has he gone through a divorce? What is that face? <laughs> I, I think he's just an unfortunate-looking little lad. I mean, that's what inbreeding will do for you. You either end up with. Matt Smith style cheekbones or just the most unfortunate looking face that a person could ever have. I, I, I guess he, he looks like he would be on a kid on the cover of a horror movie who was trying to kill everybody in the family. Yeah. He kind of does look, does look like the, like Jason from the end of uh Friday the 13th. Yeah. I, I don't like, I'm sorry. Like kid, you're handsome. I'm like probably more handsome than me, but I just don't like it. So (laughs) when you do hear this very famous podcast of ours, I'm not coming for you, but you got real actor face kid. Um, Yeah. So then Eamon goes into the dragon pit. Not sure what dragon he sees, but either way, uh, it almost burns him alive. And now we shall cut to the scene with, Helena Targaryen, the the daughter of Alicent and um, Viserys, who this she's a very unique little girl, right? She oh just loves God. her some semi-peas. <laughs> she's yeah. the chick I would want to hang out with if I was little. <laughs> what, Patrick? Oh no, I was just I was just agreeing with the the centipedes. She's very enamored so with uh, counting all the rings. At first she said rings, and I was like, is she counting trees? And then she said legs, yeah. and I was like, oh, no, this is a bug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patrick, I also did that. Did so. you guys check um, the, or catch the part where um, Allison hears about the little prank that all the boys pulled on Eamon, and she says, like, you'll have a dragon someday. Like, don't worry about it. And Helena says he'll have to close one of his eyes. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, what what does that mean, John? I don't fucking know. That's very cryptic. I didn't know if she was talking to the centipede or to her brother at that or to I mean her mom at that point. I think she was talking to the centipede about her brother. <laughs> to close of his eyes like if he squints really hard, that pig will be a dragon. It'll look like a dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the reading that I kind of took from it is he's gonna have to be dreaming. Um, it is interesting that all of Allison's kids very obviously look like Targaryens, but only one of them has a dragon. Aegon no. is a dragon, if I recall correctly. Two Aemond. of them do. Aemond and Helena have dragons? Uh, no, Aemond and Aegon both mm-hmm. have dragons. But if Aemond has a dragon, why did they give him pink dread? Oh, sorry, no, you're right, you're correct, my bad, my bad. I was thinking of uh, the of uh, Rhaenyra's two, two kids. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the contrast I was going to draw, is yeah. that all of the kids who look like Targaryens, only one of them has a dragon. But out of Rhaenyra's kids, all of them have dragons. Her infant, who's not even 24 hours old yet, uh, gets a dragon's egg. And I don't know, I just, I feel like it's commentary, sort of. Uh, about where the fitness to rule actually is. Is it in genetics or is it in temperament? Or Ooh. if it is in genetics, maybe it's just Rhaenyra has uh, more potent blood of the dragon than Viserys does, which she definitely is more fierce and strong than him, so that would kind of make sense. That's true. Oh, and you know what I just remembered? Um, so those kids' dad is Sir Harwin, of the Strongs, and the Strongs are supposed to be descendants of the First Men. So I Mm -hmm. think this gives some credence to my crackpot theory that the land of Westeros itself has chosen Rhaenyra and her descendants to rule, because in her children, the blood of the Targaryens and the First Men are mingled for the first time. Oh man, you're so smart. This is dope. I have absolutely no like textual evidence to prove this whatsoever. It just sounds really cool, so I'm going to go with it until I see specific textual evidence that it's wrong. Yeah, I can I'm going to back you up. Yeah, blindly. I can try to poke holes in that, but I don't see any reason to because it sounds awesome and I want it to be true. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this training sequence in the yard. Uh, <laughs> Crispy Coleslaw has become... So much more of a douchebag in the past 10 years. He sucks. Yeah, what a, what, a, sucks. what a letdown. How does that guy still have a job? He straight up murdered an unarmed man who was the best friend, best friend, of the prince consort at a banquet. How did he not, like, at minimum get banished? How is he? St- how does he have a he job? Had, he had Allison to, like, save him from the brink and bring him back as a henchman, apparently. Yeah, but it's like he's still in the King's Guard. He's not even like her personal henchman. He's a henchman of the realm. Yeah, she yeah. she must have pulled some strings big time because I don't understand how. Yeah, it it's it's a it's kind of a leap for for me on that one. Yeah, I so two things. All first of all, all it would have taken for me would have been one scene where Allison just lies and is like. Oh, he was protecting uh, Ray Ray because Joffrey was jealous and tried to stab her or something, but they didn't give us that scene. So it still is kind of up in the air and doesn't really make sense for me. (laughs) 
Yeah. He's gone real far into... I'm going to say it, like, incel territory as well. Like, there is just such deep personal bitterness, and he takes it out on her children because he can't, on Rhaenyra's children because he can't take it out directly on Rhaenyra. And it's like, brah, you could do literally anything other than this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jesse. He has a really interesting relationship with the queen, and I'm hoping they explain it a little bit more, but she, I think, would want him around because she's seen him demonstrate ultimate honesty, um, and she could use a person like that in her life, but also she has the hottest blackmail on him of all time, so she kind of fucking owns his ass, Um, and I'm wondering what the percentages of both of those uh like relationship mediums uh uh also uh he hasn't aged a day (laughs) which is so crazy to see him next to all the other old characters 10 years older and crispy coleslaw's he's got that face routine down where he's Mm -mm, good yeah still crispy a lot of nivea (laughs) a lot of nivea in there well i read the in the red keep apparently i think that's tresemme Ye old medieval Botox. Yeah, I was going to say it's the French and Iraqi genes. They're very strong. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot I'm about that. with this one. <laughs> um, yeah, this scene was, man, real hard to watch, man. Like, he's being real rude to these two kids, which, like, I get it that you hate their mom now, although I don't actually get it because whatever. But, like, come on, man. They're, like, kids, and your job is to teach them. And, like... There was one scene where he was like throwing uh, Jaceris around and I was like, dude, that's a kid. Moreover, that's the heir to the throne after Rhaenyra. Like, what are you doing? You don't get how he's so butthurt. I mean, I I think I'm no, with I, John I on this one. I don't I don't think it's like warranted at this point. It's like he he was going to kill himself because he felt ashamed of what he did. But now it's like completely been twisted into he's so angry that for, for what i guess i guess because rainier didn't go with him to sell oranges and cinnamon that uh he's yeah. just gonna like just like you know take it out on her like future generations i guess i don't know it's oh but, but here's him. here's the thing fellas so he felt shame about breaking his oath and he felt shame and rejection because she didn't want to run away to the free cities with him and then he felt paranoia, and he stabbed a guy at a banquet, and he just felt like he'd made so many bad decisions that he had to take his own life. And then he felt the shame of somebody coming to save him at the 11th hour. And all of those things are Rhaenyra's fault in his head. It is her fault that he felt that way. She is the reason that anything bad has ever happened to him, ever. And if she had just said yes, his life would look completely different. Everything that he hates in life is her fault. She did it to him personally. That's how guys like that think. And that was his last love that he wasn't supposed to have in the first place. And so what's creepy is actually that's like his ex forever. He's not going to get any more exes. And so now he just trains his exes and own like last loves children. I'm not saying if I was in that situation, I'd be mean to the kids. But I would silently write 
poetry about it in my room. <laughs> you mean yell poetry at, okay, <laughs> at the wall? That is what I meant, but I couldn't think of a classy way to say it. I mean, I guess we just have to take it uh, that Allison said all that to Crispy Coleslaw to turn him evil, based, or not evil, but cement his hatred of, of uh, Rhaenyra forever, apparently. Like, when she saved him from killing himself, she must have said all those things like, your station is... Oh, you know, oh, we're we're getting some disagreement here. What do you think? I think she didn't need to say anything to him. I think that he told himself all that stuff. There's a scene a little bit for, before the training yard where he's walking with Alicent and she's complaining about Rhaenyra and he starts backing up her complaints and at one point calls Rhaenyra a spoiled cunt. And the <laughs> look that Alicent gives him is just like, who taught you that language? Well, the look no. on his face, too, like when he says it, he he immediately knows that he went too far. <laughs> oh, no, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I Go ahead, John. No, I just think it was, it was funny, like how he, he said it and he immediately reacted like when you accidentally say a cuss in front of your mom. <laughs> no, I was talking like as far back as like the previous episode, for which would be 10 years ago from this one or 10 years prior, I guess, when she saves him, saves him. Um, from killing himself like what did she say to him because the episode just ends right Mm -hmm. i guess she probably said don't kill yourself you still have a job you need to do yeah because he still has a fucking job for some reason my i think I, i said this a little bit earlier but my head canon for this is her going like now you're the only person i can trust because i know you're an honest man and then she just uses him um I'm very curious what happens in the middle. Like to, from that day forward, is he just like stop talking to Ray Ray? Yeah, because he's clearly not on her her. Uh, I want to say Queen's Guard duty. But I don't know. Like I guess his King's Guard duties doesn't in- include Rhaenyra after that. Obviously, because Harwin Breakbones mm-hmm. is there, but he's not a part of the King's Guard. So no, he's the City Guard. He's a gold cloak. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing why he's even there, which is. It's confusing to everyone except the king, apparently. He <laughs> just accepts it. Yeah. He's never seen combat, though. Ha ha ha. So we've been talking about uh, Crispy Incel Slaw. <laughs> I don't know what we're calling him now. Sil Slaw. Talk- Crispy yeah, Sil Slaw. We've been talking about him for a minute now, so... We can wrap up this scene by just saying that, yeah, he gets a taste of his own medicine by getting punched repeatedly in the face because he yes. uh, I mean, it, it's that not good really see. poetic justice because it kind of seems like that's what he wanted to happen. But yeah. yeah, it's like some Joker shit right there. Yeah, because yeah. he knows that Harwood is going to get exiled for punching him and that will hurt Rhaenyra a great deal. Well, I think he also thinks that it confirms the rumors. Yeah, I think that too. Although I I still, you know, honestly, if I was just a random like passerby and I saw this dude bullying children and obviously trying to get one child killed, I would probably wait in there and throw some hands. It's like the the reaction to what happens is almost more interesting to me than the fight itself. Because this is the kind of relatively minor scuffle that noblemen, especially in Westeros, just kind of tend to paper over. 
So I wonder if there were strings that were pulled behind the scenes to get Harwin banished as opposed to, you know, because Viserys' way of handling disputes is like, well, I'll just put you in a room together and you can't come out till you both said sorry. So banishment seems pretty extreme. And I wonder if um, Allison's hand is in that as well. Did they say banished? Yeah, I think I was going to. He just got uh, his job taken away. He was removed as the commander of the city guard. He was also sent back to Harrenhal. Well, that was his dad, though. Yeah, his dad asked for Oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of seemed like a dad move where he was almost inceptioning the punishment into the king's head so he wouldn't think of something worse. He just took the lead in the conversation and was like, and I think I need to send him home because he needs to be back where he's from to take over the mantle that he was destined for. Totally. Um, let's Boom. talk about the scene with uh, the small platinum haired pervert doing public masturbation. How do we feel about oh, this? You mean that very that was, awesome guy yeah. jerking off over the kingdom? In Egon? <laughs> yeah. Good, Mom. How could you not knock? Ugh. That one definitely takes after Uncle Damon, I gotta say. For sure. <laughs> I thought it was Damon at first until I saw the proportions of the person. I was like, what is Damon doing here? <laughs> Look at Damon's tiny little butt cheeks. You Weird. guys know who that uh, actor is? Uh-uh. I know it's not the kid from Stranger Things because I looked it up. That's awesome. Oh, Finn Wolfhard? Wolfhand? That is that is David Tennant's son. No way. No shit. Yeah, so that's our second Doctor Who connection. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fucking awesome. Oh, man, I didn't know the, that. The British cheekbone breeding program continues to produce winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uncle Matt Damon whispered in somebody's ear to get his homie's kid on it's there. Like, yeah, you know who would be really great in this masturbation scene? My buddy's son. Actually, it was me, but it was before I regenerated. Huh, it's a long story. Yeah, now we just need to get uh, Peter Capaldi on the show. We'll have the trifecta. Yes. You know, actually, that would be the coolest shit ever. <laughs> Hell yeah. He should be a Stark. I could totally see him being a Stark. You know, it would be even cooler than Peter Capaldi. Let's bring back the best doctor of all time, Christopher motherfucking Eccleston. That yeah. dude oh, yeah, was yeah. made for Westeros. Yeah. He should be some slimy, slimy man. I confess uh, I've never like watched a, Doctor Who. Or like a wildling chieftain or something like that. Oh. Just somebody who just comes in and fucks shit up. Yeah, that's great. Oh, this guy. Uh, start, yeah, this guy a change.org like, yeah. petition to get all the doctors, living doctors, into Hadi. <laughs> Will you please sign? Um, well, just to keep things moving along, I'll just say the main thing I had to say about this scene is that the reason I wanted to talk about it is because Alicent is really showing her new colors, I guess. She has really taken after her father, like the part where she grabs Aegon by the face and she's like, listen here, you little shit, you're going to do the what the fuck I tell you to, because if you don't, you're going to die. Like, that was very much like, I felt like her version of Otto's speech to auto speech to her when he left King's Landing. I wrote that exactly almost word for what you said that she's just completely t- uh, adopted her father's position on all things related to succession and heir to the throne. Yeah, I was kind of getting Cersei vibes from her in this scene. It was very intense. 
I especially loved the part where she tells Aegon that he's allowed to beat up his brother all he likes in private, but in public they need to be a united front. A-plus parenting, the Hightowers are just giving us the hints. Yeah, I hated that, man. I was like, Allison, how could you be like this? That's real family shit, though, dog. I guess maybe she said it in a real mean way, but... Are you a younger brother? That's a tenant of society. You can call your brother a dipshit at home, but you can't call him a dipshit in front of other people. (laughs) (laughs) See, maybe this is just a difference in our parenting, but... Or the way we were parented, but my parents would tell me, uh, you're not allowed to do that at home or in public. Yeah, they don't like it, but family's rib. I guess, like I said, it's a little extreme. Everything in Game of Thrones is like an eleven out of ten because they're very edgy. But <laughs> totally in general, yeah, you know, you give your family shit. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to the small council scene. Um, Viserys seems totally checked out at this point, right? Him and Beesbury are just like barely there. Whoa, but we need term out. limits on small council seats. Viserys is only like 200 years old in this uh, in this episode, John. He's still got a lot of useful years of, you know, advice and sage wisdom. You know, I'm so sorry to do this. I have to say one thing about the last scene still. Aegon, that was the kid, right? Yeah. He was chill as fuck. Yeah. he. I just want to put that out there. I do like The him. whole time... He- yeah, he was like conflict averse and was like, I wouldn't even he's try like, that, mom. He's like, yeah, and I thought that was pretty great. He's like, well, I, like, I, I won't be a conflict to the succession or whatever. Remember that? Yeah, yeah she was like, Rhaenyra's kids are going to be are going to be the heir. And he's like, so yeah, that's okay. cool with me. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely didn't even get Do it. I still get this I think window? that's adorable. <laughs> Again, like this one takes after. Damon. He really doesn't want to have stuff. He just wants to masturbate out of windows, fly his dragon, bully his brother, cause like small scale problems. I was oh, King sounds like a lot of work. I was <laughs> wondering probably like, less masturbating. <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering like which direction he was facing out of that window. <laughs> like was it towards the ocean oh, yeah. or towards like the like uh what's towards the, the great sept? Great stuff to bit. I truly. Or towards the dragon pit. <laughs> no, the what's the um, like Tin Pan Alley? What's it called? Like the poor part of Flea King Bottom. Flea Bottom. Thank you. Yeah. There's also a part of Flea ba- Flea Bottom called like Piss Bend Alley. So <laughs> maybe he's trying to create his own little Jizz Bend Alley. <laughs> it doesn't even make it to the ground. It just falls on the red keep. <laughs> All right, can we talk about the small council now? Yep, yep, yep. Let's go back yeah, to the oldest person yes. I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, both Allison and Ray Ray have definitely taken on bigger roles in the small council, it seems like. And they're, they have made it their mission to basically make it very uncomfortable for all of the dick havers in the room. Uh, I thought they were definitely there to make it uncomfortable for each other. Um, well, yeah, maybe the thing I said is more of a byproduct of that than I thought it was honestly a really effective and like powerful powerful is not the right word. It is. It's powerful, but not empowering. But the lactating nipples thing is like real as fuck, especially when she's getting all like trying to control her emotions, fighting someone that's technically more powerful than her at the moment. And it was. I think it was it was cool. I've never seen that in a movie before, and especially to have such a powerful woman just have like that happen in the scene and just deal with it in the middle of conflict was really cool. 
Yeah, and like this literal symbol of her womanhood and motherhood is being used against her and being made to make her look weak in this situation. Totally. That's all I remember about that whole scene, really. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I I was going to get to that later, but yeah, basically the gist of it is that, you know, she's trying to propose a marriage between one of her kids and one of Allison's kids. Uh, She kind of makes it seem like it's a gesture of goodwill or a peace offering, but Allison pretty much sees through it immediately and realizes that she's kind of desperate and she's like, okay, we'll think about it. Like, maybe we can do that. See, I did think that part of it was sincere because at this point, the kids are starting to get dragged into the feud. And I think, you know, Rhaenyra obviously still wants to broker a deal that's going to be favorable to herself and her heirs. She's not going to abdicate her position. She's not going to have her children abdicate. But she is willing to give Allison some things that presumably Allison wants a claim to the throne to through her own children and eventually grandchildren dragons, which are a huge status symbol because nothing says I'm important than having a sentient nuclear bomb that loves you unconditionally. And the, again, like the great tragedy of game of Thrones is that nobody can ever just fucking talk to each other because it is in fact, a very good deal for both sides, and it stops the fighting from affecting kids. But that's not going to be enough for Allison. At this point, it's not enough for her to have some wins. She needs to beat Rhaenyra. And for Rhaenyra, it's even just making that gesture is already as much surrender as she's going to put on the table. And so there's no negotiation possible. Both parties are coming to the table going, it's my way or the highway. And I hope you pick the highway because it's a highway to hell, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good like summation of that scene. And I didn't really think about the like parental uh, negotiation that was happening in that like sometimes it is more important to protect your children than you because you can deal with it but they don't like deserve it and that would cause her life less strife is like po- politically di- and uh, emotionally diplomatic in that moment is like super interesting i didn't think about that i i think this is another situation where both things can be true too though because i think there is concern for her children involved in this insofar as she thought she was getting away with this thing for so long that she's no longer getting away with and she's realizing what the consequences will be for her and her children so i think it is an act of desperation that is also to secure her children's safety and everything yeah i thought the yeah, same that makes thing. sense she, she actually does mean it but also she is desperate uh, yeah, let's talk about the scene between Viserys and Allison in their chambers. Um, very cold scene. Uh, Allison basically says, yeah, this shit's going to happen over my dead body. So I get the sense she's pretty much made her mind up about that. Yeah. What did you mean by this shit is going to happen over my dead body? Well, she's talking to Viserys and he's talking about how, yeah, this is like a great match. It's, you know, it'll unite our the families it's going to bring everything oh. together 
And she says, you can do as you wish, husband, when I'm cold and dead in my grave or something like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got names mixed up again because, you know, I'm super good with them. So my (laughs) apologies. Uh, I definitely remember what you're talking about. And that was interesting because it was one of the most direct. um, uh, What's the word? Not aggressions, but like acts of defiance against the king. She's usually like immediate to acquiesce, make him happy, blah, 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 blah. But she showed... Like over the last decade with him aging into a mummy, uh, <laughs> she's willing to dunk on him or uh, disagree with him more. She's got like an edge now. She almost has like the dominant spot in the relationship now in certain ways, which is As kind king. Of interesting. Anybody yeah. with more than two vertebra is going to have the <laughs> upper hand in a relationship with Viserys. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> You know, and it is kind of sad because their relationship began from what was a creepy but genuine mutual bond of care and support through pretty severe grief. But when we see them now, 10 years later, that is totally gone. Mm -hmm. It is, she just seems exhausted by him. And Maybe trauma bonding's not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's kind of a a pretty fair assessment for sure. Um, Can we move on to the strong family drama? Or do we have... Okay, yeah, because this is the scene where uh, Lionel comes in to talk to the king and basically offers resignation. So along those lines, I just want to back up a tad and talk about the conversation between Harwin and Lionel that Ray Ray overhears. Doesn't she doesn't she see them too? She oversees it, is that? Yeah. <laughs> Would yeah, you I rather guess. I thought she like, <laughs> they were like on like the balcony somewhere and she was like Well, so <laughs> if you actually notice she used the secret passageway that Damon told her about. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I get yeah. the feeling that Rhaenyra has found a fair amount of secret passageways through mm-hmm. the Red Keep. I guess, you know, my question would be, who else knows about them? Guess we'll find out. Oh. Yeah. I didn't really care for this scene too much, mostly because it just seemed like belaboring facts that are already obvious to the audience. I do think it was a good opportunity to show how two out of the three men of strong are uh, very very honorable and in lionel's case honor before reason almost um yeah so i i i agree that it probably wasn't 100 percent necessary i think the only point of it is just to show that this whole thing between ray ray and harwin isn't a plot it's actually just a thing that Harwin did as the stupid himbo that he is and not something that his father put him up to. Our amazing, sweet, beautiful himbo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of assumed that that was the case, but yeah, this is just confirmation. So this is basically the scene that lays the ground for Lionel offering his resignation to Viserys. And Viserys basically is like, tell me exactly why you want to do it. Or you're not allowed to do it. <laughs> yeah, and also at the behest of uh, 
Alicent, who's like, yes, tell us exactly what the reason is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with, use your words, Harwin. Or not Harwin. Uh, Say it in plain speak. Uh, Lionel. Yeah, Lionel. Lionel. The hand. Thundercats ho. There's been a lot of that, like, throughout this series with people being like, Say the fucking words. I want you to say the motherfucking words. But I shan't, my lord. Oh, thank you. I just, oh my god, I called you. I'm leaving this podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna edit all that out. So yeah, this is the scene where he asks leave to escort his son Harwin back to Hall, where he can resume his duties now that he is no longer the commander of the city watch i was gonna say just as a reminder for our dragon ball z demographic heron hall is a giant melty burnt very obviously cursed castle in the middle of nowhere so i'm sure this trip okay. is gonna go great yeah. yeah yeah it's uh it's named after hair in the black who the reason the towers are all melted is because he hid inside his towers when Aegon the Conqueror's dragons came, and him and all his sons were burned alive inside of it. Yeah, so, the stone uh, <laughs> melted. Yeah, it doesn't have a great history as far as, like, fathers and their sons are concerned. Was he called Hair in the Black before or after he got fried to a crispy crunch? Before. First of all, very funny joke, but yes, it was before. Because <laughs> there was Hair in the Red, right? Yeah, it was. He was hair in the black, I believe, because he was so black-hearted. He was that a, joke played for me just fine. Yeah, he was a <laughs> he was a reaver from the Iron Islands, and he made yeah. it all the way to the center of Westeros, the equivalent of fucking Iowa, and went. Yes, this will be my home now. Well, it's connected these- by rivers, but yeah, it is pretty silly. I thought it was more like Jersey, but I don't really understand <laughs> Games of Thrones. Your mom is connected yeah. by rivers. <laughs> this is this is a throwback to the first episode too, because that's where the whole series starts is in Harrenhal, mm-hmm. yeah, the King yeah. Jaehaerys. Yeah, I also mentioned this in the last episode because I pointed out that the Riverlands and the Iron Isles are technically considered one kingdom, and that's why because Heron the Black ruled over both from Harrenhal. Oh my god, I'm almost understanding most of this, and it's like blowing my mind. <laughs> Can I, All I right. go back and watch the first episode? <laughs> um, let's let's move on to talk about Alicent and Laris. Um, so after leaving the king, Alicent makes her way to her supper with Laris, and he's really coming to his own, right, guys? Like he he's not putting on the act with Alicent anymore. He's exuding a lot of confidence. He's not letting his disability get him down. He's just very powerful and very strong and confident. I I gotta say, I, I think he's like a really cool and good character, right? Cool, rit, rit, like, yeah, like, he's not cool. Like, I don't think he's a cool dude. I wouldn't have a beer with him, but he's a well-written, coolly written character and a weird little fink. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. I agree. Oh, no, that's the opposite of what I said. <laughs> cool, 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 normal guy. I Not think the best thing for me about Laris Strong and the thing that I appreciate about him most as a character is that he makes me miss 
the comparative moral purity and simplicity of Peter Baelish. <laughs> is that Littlefinger? I, I told my fiance that I think this character is basically if Ramsey Bolton and Littlefinger got smashed together. He's he's Ramsey Bolton, but what if smart? And he's Littlefinger, but what if a psycho? Dude. See, I thought he was like Littlefinger and Varys mixed together. Yeah, Littlefinger and Varys mixed together. Okay, I understood all the names until now. Who's Varys? Varys is uh, the King of Whispers. Or what do they call it? Lord of Whispers Master. or something? Master yeah, he's of Whispers. the big bald guy who's in charge of spies from eunuch. the first show. The eunuch. Yeah, the guy who can teleport. Okay. Yes. He can teleport? Yeah. In the well, later yeah. seasons, he definitely Littlefinger teleports. also has a jetpack, too. <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking kidding he, me? He was the yes. character in The Rocketeer. That's that's actually him. Yeah. Dude, I'm Same Googling actor, Game yeah. of Thrones jetpack. No, it's it's a joke in the fandom, Jesse, because he always shows up everywhere, and there's yeah. no way that he could actually yeah. do it. it. Yeah, like he's on Dragon's It's a joke. How did I find a picture of it on Google? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you found that's, a picture of it on That's Google Peter Baelish. Because, like I said, that's a very common <laughs> joke that is made of. Uh-huh, the chicken or the egg, John. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That looks real to me. That cannot be photoshopped. I can tell by the pixels. Thank you, Annie, the intellectual. So I think the, the Varys comparison is not completely unfounded, Patrick, because Varys also was famous for uh, pulling the tongues out of people. So... After Allison kind of spills the beans about what happened in the small council and in the training yard and all that, um, Laris, he concocts a little plot, doesn't he? He goes down to the dungeons and he shows off his cool cane with a very notable insignia on it. And he yes. plucks some prisoners out of the dungeon to send on a mission, I guess. Hey, John. Yo. Not for me, but for the listeners. So what was that really notable symbol on the cane? I think it was like a beetle or a scarab or a cicada or something like that. I thought, yeah, I thought it was okay. a, cicada, yeah. like a very small cicada. I got cicada that, as well. Okay, does that represent something from the series already? No, not that I know. Okay, of. cool, 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 cool. No, it, that. it's cool, just continue. goth as fuck, and that's clearly this guy's aesthetic. I think it's also Loving him it. trying to establish his own identity apart from his family. Um, and yeah, you said like to bring them on a mission. And I was also wondering, did was it clear why they were taken or do we feel like that's going to be like the next episode? Well, they, they set the fire. Yeah. Yeah. They, went they to set Aaron the fire Hall. and ah. kills his dad and brother. So, you know, just a regular okay. little Boy Scout jamboree. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We cool. don't know if they're dead. This is Game no, of Thrones. Dead. Um, it does beg the question, though, why did he bother cutting their tongues off if he was going to put his fucking symbol on their jackets? Because they can't talk. They could, those could be any anybody's cicadas, John. He has okay. the same symbol yeah. on his cane, though. You, di- you did point it out, John, as he's establishing his own identity, and the cicada isn't a symbol of anybody's house, and you would have to be very close to Laris to see the symbol on his cane. He strikes me as the kind of guy who's really smug about his plotting, which I desperately hope will someday be his downfall, just like it was for Littlefinger. But having a sort of secret symbol on your work, signing your work, I mean, that's what serial killers do as well. That's often why they're caught and how they get their nicknames is they have 
certain signature moves, as it were. And so we have somebody who has his signature symbol, which is a cicada for some reason. Okay. Has he been underground for 17 years? Yeah, I was I was coming in here ready to be an asshole about this and how it ruins the show. But Whoa, I, wow, I, I think you actually convinced me. I actually agree. Like the, the shot where we see the cicada on his cane is an extreme close up. So I think I think you're right. Yeah, like yeah. He, like like cicadas hide in the ground for 17 years and don't do anything. And then they emerge and just like take over everywhere. And there's Ooh. all that shitty noise, Ooh. you know. So like this is this is literally uh, Laura, Loris, right? Or no, Laris. Laris, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's literally like the story of Laris. Is like he's that's... been like shit on shit on his entire life up until this point. Now he finally seizes an opportunity to take an action and does it. Uh, that's really smart, Patrick. I, I really like love that. that interpretation, Patrick. Yeah. I think that is spot fucking on. Patrick, yeah, cicadas. I only say that because there's cicadas cicadas fucking everywhere right here in Texas. (laughs) They're they're literally everywhere right now. I'm surprised I don't have to edit them out of the podcast. All right. I have a question. Go ahead. Are you sure? Because what's that on the wall behind Patrick? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Did we see the queen's dad in this episode? No. 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 Queen's dead. Okay. Hi, Tom. And that answers so many questions. <laughs> cool. Who did you think was I swear I thought dead? he was one of the dudes in the cloaks at the end. Yeah, no. Th- those were the Good. guys okay. that he took out of prison. Good. That makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, one gaunt, tall man with an unkempt beard looks a lot like another tall, gaunt man with an unkempt beard, which is also what I think every single time I try to do online dating in Denver. Is this guy on a Boom. How do I know? I feel like this is a personal attack against me, but uh, I'm not going to dwell on it. You All right, let's talk about... You uh, Ra- kempt, John. You are very kempt. You look like you've been within, at some point in your life, 15 feet of a bottle of moisturizer. You are doing <laughs> so good. Uh, I just have naturally good skin, but thank you. And he's so well lit today. He's so moist. I know, he's not the boy. <laughs> For our listeners. He's just exuding moistness. He's wet right now. He is a handsome, moist boy. <laughs> All right, Actually, he's a handsome. Wetness and wetness is the essence of beauty. And John has graced us with beauty tonight. John's giving a blue steel look right now in the camera. I, I have to correct myself. They, they're a handsome, moist they. But the handsome, moist they, you're right. It's important. It, he, they, it's fine. Either way. Um. I'm uncomfortable talking about myself. Let's talk about Rhaenyra's and uh, or Rhaenyra and uh, Lenor. <laughs> yeah, Rhaenyra and Lenor. Two well yeah. moisturized young folk. I'm getting extra dewy because of all the sweat. I wanted to bring this up earlier, but um, my roommate told me about the actor who plays adult Rhaenyra. And they go by they them pronouns. Yep, I saw that. Yes. I thought, that was cool as fuck. But then I also was wondering, I think it might want, I will, it makes me more comfortable to state this for the podcast. But in, in knowing that most of the time, if we're using she, her pronouns, it is to refer to a female character in that story. And if I was talking about the actor, I would use different pronouns. Um, yeah, you get 10 points for being very politically correct. I think it's important. <laughs> No, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I 
have been saying she, and that is because I'm talking about Rhaenyra and not Emma Darcy or whatever the hell their name is. Agreed. I don't know their name. <laughs> don't know their name, but I know their pronouns. <laughs> I, I, I saw I saw one like um, behind the scenes thing on YouTube, and she seemed or they seemed really cool. It was it was a or a clip with like her, they're them, and whoever plays Alicent. Like ten years later, Dope. Alicent was pretty cool. I'm going to YouTube a bunch of videos of them. Yeah. And I will say like those two have amazing chemistry on screen. We, I mean, in many ways, this episode is like a second pilot, right? Mm -hmm. We're starting over with a bunch of new actors. There's missing exposition. And to me, it didn't feel jarring. And that's something that I was very concerned about with this time skip. But the chemistry is so good, and especially between Rhaenyra and Alicent, it's like you can feel that there's 10 years of slowly crystallizing loathing there. And if that's not mastery of the craft of acting, I don't know what is. Agreed. All right. Um, um, I want to talk about my good friends, Lena and Damon, but if it's okay with you guys... I'd like to take a quick break. And we're back. Let's talk about Lena and Damon, or to be more accurate, let's talk about the cool scene where they're riding their dragons together. It's so... Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> yes! Come on, Patrick. Yes! No, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I was just noticing that the way Caraxes flies is so weird. Like, he flails and flops around a lot in the air, which is so cool. Very Damon-like. He's just our goofy, wingy-likey boy. He don't know what he's doing, and neither does Damon. He's like the Greyhound of dragons. Yes. Cool, so... I don't remember that scene. I'm really sad. I can't remember the wonky dragon dragon flying. Oh, God. It was both amazingly cool and also erotic in a way that did not make me feel bad about myself. (laughs) Ooh. Like, watching Lena and Damon play fight on dragon back, I'm like, damn. I want that. Except not with Matt Damon. (laughs) I think it's cool to think about the idea that their dragons are becoming friends as they're becoming closer as well. Like, Caraxes and Vagar are like, oh, hey, like, it's you, buddy. How you doing? I don't know. That's just a cute idea to me. It's like when two friends both have a dog and the dogs start to become friends also. That's so cute. Yes. But yeah, Lena is writing Vagar now, which she brought up in episode one or two that Sometimes she could hear Vagar's uh, song from Spice Town, which is on the Isle of Driftmark near High Tide. Um, and I guess she heard it enough that she decided to do something about it. And she went and uh, she made that dragon submit to her, which yeah. is fucking badass. <laughs> Not really explained, but we just take it. Our girl just was like, I'm going to get me a dragon. 
<laughs> Not just a dragon, the oldest living creature Big in ass. all of the world. Big ass dragon. Yeah. Yeah. In- interestingly enough, Vagar was born during the Century of Blood, which was actually mentioned during Damon and Lena's dinner with the the Prince of Pentos. So that is just post Doom of Valyria, right? Yeah. That yeah. was between the Doom of Valyria and Aegon's conquest of Westeros. It's also kind of cool too because Lena is now riding uh, Visenya's dragon, and Damon has Visenya's sword. And Visenya was Aegon's sister and wife, right? Yeah, she yes. was the more warrior-like of the two sister wives. When you guys talk about this stuff, my eyes dilate and I start to hear like a tinnitus noise. <laughs> <laughs> and the more I connect stuff, the like less that happens. Bring it back to Earth for for Jesse and the Dragon Ball Z demographic of our listeners. We love you. We want you to stay with us. Um, this is really neat because Lena is not just riding a dragon, which would already be pretty cool, but she is riding an absolutely legendary dragon. It's like she just skipped over the tutorial and levels one through like 70 and now she's at epic and she is writing a creature that is older than most of the cities in this world oh see that helps she, I, also it's one of the dragons that burnt Hall. since we were talking about that earlier this is all cool as fuck yeah. yes no, who's going to get this really cool dragon now? Yeah, because Visenya, wasn't she the one? She was the queen sister that died, right? During uh, burning the sept of something? Uh, I don't believe so. I thought she did a... No, um, uh, Rhaenys was the oh, Rhaenys, sister. Oh, that's and, the other one, yeah. And that's she, right. she died My in bad. the conquest of Dorne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do think it's very interesting how... Targaryen women, and really Valyrian women, because the Valyrians can also ride dragons. A couple hundred years ago, they were riding around on dragonback, helping conquer continents, wielding swords that were so important and good that they had names. And now, a couple hundred years later, fast forward... And they still get to have dragons, but they're also expected to wear pretty dresses and pop out babies with absolutely no say in their future whatsoever. Yeah, I think a lot of it is because the Targaryens kind of assimilated into the Westerosi culture, unfortunately. That's wild to think about. Yeah. It's just weird that you would keep giving women dragons when logically what would happen the first time you told a woman with a dragon that she had to submit wear the pretty dress and pop out babies is that she would burn your entire town to the fucking ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you might have brought something up similar to this in one episode because my mind just remembered having a thought that was like, I'm surprised the women all haven't just rebelled and made a matriarch, like killed it's, all these It's a question that I keep having, <laughs> honestly. If you give an oppressed person a weapon of mass destruction, what on earth kind of leverage do you have that not one of them have snapped and decided to use it in centuries? We can't all be good people, all right? Even in the time of Jaehaerys, which was the king before Viserys, his his queen was Alisane, and she she did have uh, a part in governing the realm. 
she wasn't like an equal to the king, but she definitely had some degree of power and some degree of influence. So I think it's at least where we are where we are in this series, it's still an open question what the role of women will be uh, going forward. Uh, I think the difference in the two birth scenes is really interesting. Yeah, Shit, yeah, yeah, for sure. The actors' portrayals of it specifically, even the noises they make are pretty vastly different. Also, there. Nonetheless, also the positioning and a few other things. And the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the most important part. Yeah. My, my girl, Lena, said, no, I ain't going out like that. I ain't going out like that. And she uh, got herself real crispy. I mean, she went out, but not like that. She wanted a dragon rider's death, and she got it. And how many times in Westeros do we really get to see somebody go out on their own terms? Yeah. And the dragon's hesitation. I miss her almost as much as I miss Rhea. <laughs> May they reign together, sister queens in heaven. I was just thinking about her. Yeah, they did kill, like, really cool people. Like, two badass like female characters and it's like that we didn't get a lot of time with especially this actor i think this is her this is the first and only episode we see uh her character portrayed with this actress and yeah yep for a few minutes even like not not a lot (laughs) not even yeah literally minutes like maybe a couple minutes and it's just yeah like she did such a good job too when when Damon, you can tell he's very like stressed out, and when he kind of snaps at her, and he's like, "Well, how am I supposed to sleep when you're constantly nagging me?" And she, she very, she has a very convincing facial acting where she looks hurt and then kind of tries to respond in a dignified way, where she's like, "Listen, I know I'm probably not the wife that you wanted," and I, I don't know. I just, I thought she was this actor was really killing it. I, I am sad that we don't get to get more of her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Now that you bring that up, she was awesome. Just really, really good chemistry. And especially, and also the scene where she's comforting her daughter whose dragon's egg won't hatch. Mm-hmm. And kind of alluding to the story of how she got Vagar, which I think leaves the question open is her dragonless child going to end up as Vagar's writer? Oh, snap! Yeah, or at least get a dragon. Because there's, like, we've been introduced to a handful of dragons, but there's other ones that are just flying around with no rider, so there's other ones that are up for grabs that she could definitely get her hands on. I was told ten adult dragons. Does does the pink dread count? Good question. Um, Maybe this goes to eleven. Yeah. <laughs> This dragon count goes to 11. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's 10 adult dragons, and then there's also the two babies. But, yeah. They they have a lot more dragons to bring in if we're getting 10 dragons. For sure. Um, so was anybody else completely surprised that Damon is both an uncaring husband and inattentive father? Thoughts? Not surprised. I thought he was doing a really great job. <laughs> what, Patrick? <laughs> he thought he was a perfect father figure role model. Yeah, I didn't see anything wrong. Yeah, he, this is he, uh, par for the course, I feel. He spends 99% of his time reading and then 1% of his time teaching the 
daughter with a dragon how to speak Valerian, and then completely ignores everybody else. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, John, this is still way, way better parenting than we could have ever expected out of Damon here to cause problems on purpose, Targaryen. <laughs> the kids are still alive. <laughs> Nothing is on fire. He's been living uh, as a guest in this mansion in Pentos for ten years, and I don't see a single like wine stain or dead hooker anywhere. <laughs> the bar I mean, was so fucking low that the moments of affection and bonding he does have with at least one of his kids automatically make us go, aww. I mean, his wife is literally on fire. I mean, <laughs> yes, but not a fire Damon started. I mean, he went out there and he was like, fucking hell. <laughs> and just kind of was like, eh, I'll get another wife. We are so losing our deposit on this Pentos Airbnb. Fuck. Yeah, also, yeah, now they, only have, they only have one adult dragon, so maybe that Pentashi prince is not going to be so interested in that deal anymore. <laughs> he probably is going to be like, who's going to tell the kids? <laughs> I do want to very quickly bring up that deal because it is something that's also been alluded to back in mm -hmm. Westeros a couple of times. The alliance of the Triarchy with Dorne, trouble in the Stepstones again. Well, yeah, but when is there not trouble in the Stepstones? But this is apparently such a big deal that the notoriously proud free city of Pentos wants to put Targaryens on staff so that they can have their own in-house nukes. This is, that is a pretty serious escalation of armament against your neighbors, and it does not seem to be being taken very seriously in Westeros because everyone is so consumed as to whose dick exactly has been inside of Rhaenyra. I just feel like this is going to bubble up into something bigger and maybe bite some people in the butt. Yeah. I mean, that uh, that purple bearded women's clothes wearing giant might cause some problems. I love them already Hopefully. and I want them to have a spinoff and we've only had that one line of dialogue, but I would take a bullet for them. 100%. I, I watched that spinoff. There's also only one line about it in the books, so... <laughs> it's it's that line. <laughs> yeah. So we're all entering on this magical, mystery, cross-dressing, mercenary adventure together. Yeah. George R. R. Martin is just leaving the door open for spinoffs. He's like, I gotta have some exit doors, you know, planted <laughs> throughout this fucking book. <laughs> totally. I can't think of anybody else that I would rather be on this wild trip with. I hope we get to see them. Yeah, I, we can uh, we can uh, kind of wrap up a little bit and talk about our last topic, but I just felt bad for Lena a lot because she kind of, you know, she didn't want to die in Pentos. She wanted to die in her homeland and she didn't get that, unfortunately, but she was like, well, if I'm going to die in this fucking bullshit-ass city, then I guess I'm at least going to go out like a G. And uh, also, Vagar looked really sad when uh, they burned her alive. I just, I don't know. It was it was very sad. 
Big R looks very old and wrinkly. He has yeah. a little turkey neck, like like old people get. Like the whisker hairs, too. Like old kind of yeah. wispy hairs. Yeah. Oh, uh, Big R has, like, holes in his wings, too. Like, he's been yeah. through a lot of battles Vigar, and shit. Yeah, she's been through, like, a fuck ton. Um, yeah. Note to our listeners, as far as anybody can tell, and this is canonically confirmed, dragons don't have gender as we understand it, but Vagar right. has laid eggs, so can be referred to as she or he, and it's fine. Yeah, Vagar is not offended. If Vagar was offended, Vagar would burdenate you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can say either for a dragon, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I will say, did anybody else catch the the Pentosi doctor giving Damon the same choice that his brother was given? We could try oh, yeah. to cut it out of her. And Damon says, yeah, but will she live? He doesn't decide. And though. yeah, he lets her make her own decision on how she wants to go out. Oh, I, I didn't think he had any agency in that at all. I think she ran away. Yeah, I think I thought that he just was like given the option and then just didn't do anything. And then she just takes it into her own hands. Wow, this might be a first because I have a third interpretation, which I, I think that he implied no. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I also think that he implied no, but breach births kill women like they still do. And if the child is breach and a Caesarean is going to kill you, you are also still going to die. Like both mother and baby are going to die in that situation. So do you mean no to like, cause the way I saw it was like, no, Damon took no to a decision. Like he just did not decide. He just didn't do anything. I thought he shook his head. Like, nah, we're not doing that. I don't know. Either way, um, we have to watch it again. We're going to do another podcast on just this <laughs> bit. Also, you know, Patrick, I will put it to you in the immortal words of Rush. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. I and maybe love his choice Rush. was to not decide. I know you do. Yeah, I knew I liked you. God, I love Rush. I've never heard you talk about Rush, but somehow intuitively I knew that you liked Rush. Who, me or Annie, or both? You, Patrick. <laughs> God, I fucking love Rush. The only reason I'm not wearing a Rush shirt right now is because I don't fit into it anymore. <laughs> I saw Primus went on tour last year, and I saw them do the, the Tribute to Kings tour, and they played the Rush album in its entirety, and I oh, loved it. That sounds cool as fuck. All right, uh, so let's, let's end the episode by talking a little bit about Ray Ray and Leonor. Um, we can talk a little bit about their relationship in general, but also about the fact that, A... They are going to leave King's Landing for uh, uh, Dragonstone. And also, uh, Leonor's new boyfriend is named Carl. Sick. <laughs> Carl. His name is fucking Carl. <laughs> uh, Carl. Yes, so Carl with one Q, but it's not where you think. I love Carl. Um and I love that Rhaenyra is accepting of Carl and pretty much just sees Carl all of twice. And it's like, nah, he makes you happy. Take him. Bring your twink. I think she also was like, well, he seems like he's pretty good at fighting, so it couldn't hurt to have him around. Ah, uh, yes. That's why I married my husband. He has excellent taste in twinks. I, I definitely... I, uh thought it was mostly for her to be nice and that the sword fighting was an excuse did, did nobody say coral 
Coral. So that's, that's how I fucking read it on my subtitles. Coral. There was no quarrel over quarrel. No, this is from some Walking Dead shit. That's a Walking Dead throwback. Coral. 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 Listen, Coral. Coral. Um, I, I, I think have a boyfriend, Coral. <laughs> I, I think that your reading, Jesse, is probably the most accurate. I was trying to be generous, but um, I probably shouldn't want good things for Carl because that will just mean that he'll die in the next episode. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> wish them on Coral. I, I can't wait. For also, him to die I kind of alluded to the idea of mutual respect between these two people in this very unorthodox relationship, but. At the end of the episode, Ray Ray quotes back to uh, Leonor the thing that he said to her earlier in the episode, where she basically says, like, oh, didn't you tell me that a wise sailor sails away from the storm before it comes? And that's sort of where I was getting that, where she is kind of, to the best of her ability and to the best of her pride, saying, you know what? You were right, motherfucker. You had the correct... Uh, analysis of the situation we got to get the hell out of here uh there's there's nothing left for us here we gotta we gotta get out of here and kind of bide our time and see kind of rebuild our our situation yeah i loved her doing that for two reasons um you know the first obviously being um, as you said it really showcases that although they have their differences they really do still like and respect each other as people and that's really refreshing to see in a mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. And the other reason I liked it is because of the contrast that it presents between Rhaenyra and Viserys. Viserys makes a big show out of wanting everybody to get along, but he doesn't actually listen to anyone's opinion. I don't think, and I'm sure that somebody will chime in and tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that we've heard Viserys, Mr. Oh, let's all get along, actually quote somebody's own words back to them as a way to let them know they were right. Because he's not really paying attention to what people are saying. He just wants everyone to get along. Yeah. Rhaenyra would really rather prefer to be right. And I think we can see that in the body language and also just her character in general. But she's also willing to be wrong when it's smarter, and she's actually paying attention to what people say. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful for me. Yeah, I've I've really done a 180 on Rhaenyra between the last episode and this one. Um, maybe it's because I don't like Alicent so intensely now, but uh, I I'm a, I think I'm 100% Team Rhaenyra right now. I don't know definitely in that boat and i never liked the queen so fuck that noise i'm on 100 percent team i just want laris to lose (laughs) but if i have my choice yes we're near well uh some great performances in this episode specifically um whatever whoever i don't know their name and i do apologize but whoever they hired to do this rat acting just a really good performance i think they did such a good job um, they're not getting yes. paid enough. Thank you for bringing that up, John. I I I totally forgot about it until you brought that up. But like the fucking rat that crawls on the mantle in front of Viserys <laughs> when he's like sitting in his fucking sad little chair, and he's like, "Is that a rat?" Oh, man, it's a rat. <laughs> literally, like in the last episode, which apparently was ten years ago, they're lapping up blood. But 
I thought that was a great little, I don't know, Easter, not even an Easter egg. It's just like some little throwaway scene. But I, and, and obviously I'm doing dry humor by referring to rat acting, but like unironically, this rat is doing the best version of a rat in a TV show. <laughs> like it's just the way he's running along and then he sniffs a little bit and then he keeps going. It's just very... I don't know. It it was perfect for the tone of the scene, for sure. Pretty sure that's the rat from Endgame also. They have a couple of credits on IMDb. <laughs> and rats are smart, so they might have actually trained it to do that. I mean, who No, knows? it read the script. Yeah. It had a part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rats are highly intelligent. They make great animal actors for this very reason. Um, there have been a couple of documentaries actually on the different things that you could teach rats to do. Um, the film Willard with Crispin Glover, 100% accurate. Also Ratatouille, which some of our younger listeners may be more familiar with, where a rat actually teaches a human how to cook. They're very <laughs> intelligent. That's a documentary. Yes. For the uninitiated. <laughs> Ratatouille is best watched in the original French. Whoa. What is the, um, what is the movie that takes a parody on Ratatouille? No, it's everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, Rakakuni. That is that is the that is the original Ratatouille documentary. I everyone watch that. Don't watch Ratatouille. It's much better. Yeah. Let's get into our final thoughts on the episode. We will begin with Patrick. Patrick, will you please summarize your feelings and give a rating from zero to seven kingdoms, brother? Brother, I'm gonna give this episode a Six out of seven kingdoms. <sighs> and then to explain that is because I fucking like this episode and there was a lot of cool shit that happened. That's why. Okay. And if you disagree, I I don't fucking care. All right. Danny, what about you? Oh, man. Um, I loved this episode. It absolutely was prestige television in every sense of the word. They pulled off some really tricky developments, uh, particularly the time skip so much more smoothly than I could have ever expected. I am giving this ki- this episode four kingdoms right off the bat for dragons. We got our wingy-legged boy Caraxes. We've unlocked new legendary dragon Vagar. We've got itty-bitty baby Vermax. He's so fucking cute. <sighs> um, and then whatever that dragon is in the dragon pit, I think it was Cyrax. It was kind of yellowish. I'm just going to call it Cyrax for brevity's sake. Uh, This is the most dragons I have seen in an episode so far. So one kingdom per dragon, absolutely deserved. I'm going to give a fifth kingdom for depicting childbirth as the horrible traumatic event that it is. And I hope that those scenes made every single person with a dick go out and buy condoms. (laughs) I'm going to give... A sixth kingdom for giving Lena a dragon rider's death because she got to go out on her own terms. And that just doesn't really happen that often in the Game of Thrones. It was probably one of the most dignified deaths that I've ever seen on screen. And when someone is covered in their own blood and cramping from a breech birth and begging the dragon to kill them, that really says something about the quality of deaths and their dignity on Game of Thrones. Um, And then one kingdom in and of itself just for doing a really good job of depicting exactly how much those relationships have changed in 10 years. It was believable to me that time had passed. It was believable to me that characters had evolved. 
the new actors and actresses don't look jarringly different from their younger counterparts. I loved it. But I am going to subtract one kingdom from my perfect score for Laris's creepy little fucking monologue at the very end. Oh, that I love was that. The Joker shit. <laughs> and it reminded me of Littlefinger's fucking incomprehensible chaos is a ladder speech that every fedora wearing, Cheeto finger sniffing, Xbox playing asshole has quoted at me since it fucking happened. Definitely minus one kingdom for that monologue. But six out of seven kingdoms, I think this might be the highest score I've ever given. This episode fucking rocked. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, brother. I liked this episode. We got three new dragons. Vagar was fucking sick. Veramax was cute as hell. And whatever that third one was, I also liked. Uh, if I was just rating the dragons, it would be a seven out of seven because they are very good boys and I love them. Uh, unfortunately, I do have to deduct one kingdom each for Lena and Harwin dying. I know this is Game of Thrones, so all the people that we love die, but they weren't particularly satisfying deaths in my opinion. So that would leave me at five out of seven kingdoms. But I do have to add one kingdom because I actually really liked Laris's final speech. And I just have one question for you, Annie. Why so serious? Oh. Six out of seven kingdoms. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, go pick up your fedora from the dry cleaners already. <laughs> yes, my lady. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about the episode? Big boy son did some good dad punching, brother. This is uh, everything, everything I want in an episode of Game of Thrones. Apparently there was a dragon sneeze I missed. Six out of seven kingdoms, brother. Oh, yeah. Jesse Savage. And Annie, I already have a lot of condoms at home. Oh, yeah. Jesse Savage, thank you so much. You're welcome, brother. Macho Man feels the whole range of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks so much, uh, brothers, for listening. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. We have... uh, and amount of listeners at this point. John, can I say something? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Please, if you want to tell us anything, send an email. We don't care what the fuck it is. If you hate us, please send it to us. If if you want to say something stupid, you think it's stupid, just tell us. Please, we've had way worse stupid thoughts. Just send us anything. It is immensely entertaining to just get anything in email, right? I'm speaking, I think I'm speaking for everyone. Like Any email is good email, right? But what? Uh, he's not speaking for me, brother. If you say anything mean about Jesse Savage, John won't tell me who he is. Especially if you hate Jesse Savage, please send extra email. I will covet it and print it out and mail it to Jesse myself. Apparently, one of our respondents included some nice feedback about me in an email, which is that I'm so smart they're scared of it. And I would just like to tell that person directly that my bride price is eight goats and four chickens. And if you email us again, I will get the arrangements made. We're all scared of Annie. She's so smart. Um, this You can do goats over Venmo, brother. Brother, yes. Or Cash App. You guys have so thoroughly dis- derailed my outro that I have no idea where to pick it up. 
Download us or die. Our podcast is in most podcast platforms, brother, and we really appreciate your review. And if it isn't, then fuck you. So our music comes from Rabbit Road. That's all lowercase and with spaces in between. Don't forget, don't forget the spaces, brother. Um, all right. If you check out his SoundCloud, uh, you might be able to find the entire version of our theme song. This is John. I'm having a strong. Um. So yeah. If you want to email us, like Patrick said, that would be at dragons, dragons, <laughs> dragons pod at gmail.com. Uh, if you wanted to check out our music, just do what Annie said or check out the link in the episode description. If you want to yell at Jesse about his bad slash maybe good impressions, that would be at <laughs> Jesse underscore wind on Twitter. That's at J E S S E underscore wind. And until next time, may the Lord of Light protect you, brother. Oh, yeah. That was the most chaotic fucking thing that's ever happened. (laughs) Oh my god! Do you want us to like go back and you can take it from the top, John? And we promise to behave this time. No, absolutely not. I'm editing this episode. That's going in. No, I I think either whoever's editing, whether it's Jesse or I, will be able to do something with that. (laughs) leave it exactly as it is (laughs) i hope you if you do edit it jesse i hope you include the parts where i go uh, 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 (laughs) (laughs) we'll see i might lower the decibels but i mean honestly i would like john's like spun up into its own techno remix just every time i go uh 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 Love this. <laughs> oh my god. That was great. We can stop recording now, right? Yeah. Yup. Thank the Lord of Light. Oh god, guys. We might have to restart this. <laughs> Everyone's slowing down. That was funny as fuck still. <laughs> <laughs>